0: Hi, friends, I'm Tim Viegas with the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that brings you conversations about inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. Have you ever been watching an animated movie or TV show and thought, who am I listening to? Or who does the voice of this character Well, our guest this week is Jonathan Cormer, a voice actor and the host of the Dork Tales Storytime podcast. He has a passion for storytelling and brings classic fairy tales to life with a geekish twist. In this episode, Jonathan shares his experiences in voice acting and working in theater Jonathan emphasizes the importance of authentic representation of disabilities in audio and encourages more opportunities for neurodivergent individuals. He reflects on his own journey with autism and the impact of inclusive education. Jonathan also shares his dreams for his career and the positive message of his podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by MCIE's Inclusion Stories, Our five part podcast series that tells the stories of families, educators, and school systems on their journey to full and authentic inclusive education for each and every learner. All five parts of Inclusion Stories are available now. Follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player. After a short break, my interview with Jonathan Cormer. And for free time this week, I've got a podcast recommendation for you. Jonathan Cormer, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast.
3: Uh, Thank you for having me. Why why, why don't you tell me a little bit about Dork Tales? Uh, Dork Tales Storytime podcast is a, uh, it's a fracture. It's kind of like a sort of a fractured fairy tale kind of thing. It's like the tagline is uh, classic fairy tales with a geekish twist where I kind of put my uh, me and the, the, the team we kind of put our own spin on these classic stories uh and the idea is it's set in a in a in a universe in a land of once upon a time so like an alternate world where jonathan no relation (laughs) and uh his uh friend slash co-host mr reginald t hedgehog uh are kind of telling stories from their uh home in once upon a time and they're telling these stories that kind of relate to uh a, a situation or deal with any kind of like you know maybe a an issue like a, like if somebody has an argument they'll tell a story or something to inspire and speaking of inspire there's not just the uh the the Dork tales as we're they're called there's also the hidden heroes of history where we go through different um Uh, uh, people who were, who did made very like important historical contributions, but, uh, never, uh, you know, just aren't really talked about that much, but they still were very important. Like we, we deal with people like, um, uh, Hedy Lamar, um, George Washington Carver, uh, Tenzin Norgay, uh, uh, Patricia Bath, the, um, uh, one we did uh, was uh, Jerry Lawson who helped create the uh, I think there's a Google Doodle game with him about him and he, he kind of was um, uh, a man who was influential by creating the first or helping to create the first console that you can f- switch different like games on, different cartridges on and uh, that Atari ended up kind of buying and using for their systems so you know just different kinds of people uh in addition to the fairy tales
0: oh so is that in the same uh podcast feed or is that a separate podcast
3: it is i mean it's in the it's in the exact same feed uh the exact same characters jonathan and mr red and uh, and reginald uh telling the stories and stuff like that jonathan's usually the go-to storyteller although sometimes we'll Either Mister Reg will tell us a story, or we'll bring on uh, a guest, uh, a guest actor to uh, tell the story, like we did with uh, Reg's Night School, which I believe you promoted.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We put that in our newsletter, the weekly ish. Um, well, uh, you know, so you have a quite impressive demo reel. Mm-hmm. When I was doing mm-hmm. some research for our interview. I was like, oh, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going. <laughs> so, um, why don't I would love to know if there's a voice acting job or experience that really stands out to you as something that was, you know, really special.
3: There are really two. Uh, the first one I think was that was really special in how it sort of built my confidence was working for uh, California's Great America. Just a theme park run by the same people who do like Knott's Berry Farm and uh, uh, I forget the name of the uh, Cedar, Cedar Point and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, big theme park chain. They were owned by Paramount. And uh, when I first started working there and then when they were no longer owned by Paramount, they were bought out by, um, by uh, uh, Cedar Point. They, uh, they 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 uh, they didn't have any of the voiceovers like the Nickelodeon voiceover stuff anymore. So I I went to the uh, I, I in some baffling thing popped in my head. I went to these and hey, I'm a voiceover actor. Uh, maybe I could uh, do some announcements for you. And I ended up working at the park for like over five years. And hearing yourself in the park was weird. But what was even weirder about it was. Everyone who heard me, no one knew who I was because I was kind of officially like I was kind of outside the the normal park staff. But everybody knew who I was. So when the time came to work on like the Halloween haunts, which I did do live, I didn't really want to tell people and stuff. And then some of the tech people blabbed uh, uh, and stuff. And so everybody knew who I was. And it was so weird. It was like I was a, it sounds so strange, like a, like a celebrity. And I was like, really? And I, (laughs) everybody in the park knew me and they, they, they all liked me. It was like the first time I had like a really large group of people who, you know, had a positive, uh, positive relationships with like, like a lot of friends and stuff. So that's one of them. And you can still hear me on one of the rides. Welcome to gold Strackers. We're going to strike it rich.
0: <laughs> yes. yes.
3: Um, and then the second one was uh, when I went to do mocap. I worked on a video game from 2K. Uh, and uh, that, was a, that was a day. Uh, because nothing that happened went according to plan. Uh, the schedule changed. Uh, what was supposed to be a two-day recording turned into one. I showed up like the night before I rested. I was there. I, we read through the scene in the morning, which they changed the dialogue the night before, by the way, read through the scene in the morning. Then I spent the whole afternoon in a, what was basically a wetsuit with ping pong balls on it. Cause it was the motion capture suit. So if you want to know what it's like, it's basically a wetsuit with ping pong balls on it. And, uh, the whole time they, they had to pick up because one of the actors the main characters had a scheduling conflict. So they can only do one day. And it's like, well, okay. So who am I, right? So I, I, uh, I did, okay, one day, fine. Did in the morning, had breakfast. And then they had to do a pickup of one scene, which took them forever to do. It was so long and the day was getting shorter. And we were like an hour away from when they like the 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 studio the the warehouse closes we're an hour away we haven't even got to my scene yet we're an hour away we're finally getting to my scene and the writer and directors said now jonathan all don't worry it'll be fine all you have to do is just be really scared and stressed out and i'm like trust me that's not going to be acting (laughs) i knocked it out in a half hour (laughs) <laughs> nailed it <laughs> yeah we had an hour left i knocked it out in a half hour so <laughs> oh my goodness but um that was fun it was fun to do so, it was
0: yeah so you were in so you were in a video game so they didn't just use your voice and <laughs> they used your they used your body
3: yes they did
0: wow
3: that must have been yeah that's that's different right well yeah. experience well actually it was it was so interesting because I got my start in theater acting I took drama first and uh, so I'm used to actually you know performing on stage so in a weird way it was kind of like acting a scene in a play or a film M- more like a film you're just acting like it normally except again you're you have a big you have a little camera Attached to your like a selfie camera attached to your head, wearing a helmet with a selfie camera attached to your head in a wetsuit with ping pong balls. So that's the only real difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Um, so y- you do have a lot of um, a lot of work. Uh, y- you've done a lot of work in voice acting, mm-hmm. and you said you did some work in, in theater as well. Mm-hmm. Is, is there something that you're working
3: on right now? Um, not at the moment. Um, I usually do like, uh, some shorter plays actually, uh, a few years ago, uh, you know, before, before 2020, I, uh, did a, I worked for a, I worked with a local theater and I did a, uh, star Wars, the entire star Wars trilogy in an hour. I got to play, oh, wow. yeah, it was really fun. I got to play, we added the whole, the entire original trilogy in like an hour. I got to play Darth Vader, Yoda, and the, uh, the big abominable snowman thing that uh, 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 tackles Luke in the beginning of the second movie, as right. well yeah. as like a few other like little things. Because it was a small, it was a, you know, modest ca- sized cast. We all played different. Except for the people who were on screen all the time, but uh, switching between uh, Darth Vader, which is so fun to do, and Yoda, which was a Kermit the Frog hand puppet with ears atta- with like ears attached to it, <laughs> was was great fun.
0: Do you identify yourself as someone with a disability, and how do you think disability can be more authentically represented in audio specifically?
3: You know, I'm uh, maybe it's just because I'm old. And I grew up in a different time where, like, I was picked on a lot as a kid. And so it's a lot of it right now. It's just, uh, it's like, you can call me whatever you like, darling. Like, uh, I mean, (laughs) I've learned over the years that I was happier when I stopped caring. And that seems very harsh, but that's, like, the only really word I can say. When I stopped really, like, being bothered by or worrying what other people thought of me. And more about what I thought about myself, because if you like yourself, people will like you. I think liking yourself, uh, but then I say that like it's easy. Though that took a lot of you know time and building relationships with people, um, and gaining confidence in myself to really come to that understanding. So it's not like it was an easy thing. But in regards to um, uh, mess like representation, it's it's so tricky with voiceover. I feel like the uh, like it's kind of there needs to be like a finesse to it. Um, I think that it's less about the fact that there like has to be and it's like doing it kind of in a, in a, in a, in a right way. Uh, first of all, I think giving more opportunity for people like me who are neurodivergent, who are neuro- or neurodiverse, however you say it, who can um, uh, you know who who can do good work might need help on other little tiny things, but like I, you know I, I, I do good work I've been in the business for a while and, and, and I've never gotten hired, not hired because of my disability, but I know some people who might have that issue. And I think being open enough to hire somebody who is, because it, it's not about what they can't do. It's about what they can do. And if they're really into the audio, you know, side of things, regardless of what that is, they'll do a really good job on it. Like they're, they're, they're very good. Um, the other thing is, you know, I think there should be more, I think there can always be more stories about people in you know, audio books or audio stories with people with different neurodivergent groups. And also I, I don't mind if like in terms of representation, I don't think it's that I would love the opportunity, and I think they should go to the opportunity. But if they end up, if I ever it, wrote a book on my life and somebody does an audiobook about me and I'm being played by, for example, Jim Cummings, I'm okay with being played by Jim Cummings. (laughs) 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 He's one of my heroes.
0: So what what you're saying is that specifically in audio, that if uh, if you have a neurodivergent character who's played by someone who is uh, neurotypical, it's not. It's probably not that big of a deal as opposed to,
3: to you, to me. Yes. Like for example, and and, and any, any disability, like how are you going to, if you're going to do a story where you're playing a character in a wheelchair, how are you going to know? Like you're not going to be able, unless you do pictures, obviously, but you're not going to really see the person uh, behind it. I think what it really needs to be though, is just genuineness and often being authentic and credible and and not giving into like certain stereotypes, like mm. not having uh, the the person, and a lot of that also comes down to the writing. Um, which, which is why I think you know involve more people in the cre- uh, who are neurodiverse in the creative process. If you want to represent us, you know, in, include us, actually include us uh, for that, uh, so we can avoid that. But um, in terms of the voiceover thing, I think that avoiding the the stereotyping and uh being off uh you know being true and authentic but yeah also don't be afraid to hire uh and 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 i i want to add though uh i'm not just here for playing the neurodiverse characters as much as i love doing that and how i've used it as an asset you know there are more characters I can play and stuff like that but um, I think in terms of your question yeah it's it's just one of those kind of I think it's a trickier thing that you know could still use some finesse but I think I think including us trying to include us more I think we can always it's nice to feel included
1: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
3: nice dress
0: Did you get into
3: voiceover work in the first place? Well, I um, it really started out with I was really good at imitating like cartoons and stuff. Watched a lot of cartoons as a kid. Uh, you know, played video games, watched movies. I would imitate certain voices, and around the time I was like fourteen or fifteen, I think fourteen, I. You know, we were just kind of thinking about what I could do with my life. And, uh, you know, is there any after school things I can do? And we found a voiceover school, uh, in San Francisco. And I took a couple classes there. And I've been throughout my career, I've been taking classes, uh, there. Not so much recently, um, but, Throughout my, the building part of my whole career, I was taking classes there, and they've been extremely helpful. They don't just do voiceover. They do kind of other acting. They talk about the business side of things. They bring over – they bring their – the teachers are like professionals from the industry. So – and I just love doing it. And then I think voiceover kind of came from my love of theater, which I was encouraged to do not just by my parents but by my, my educators – at the school that I went to, they encouraged me to go out and try for theater. And that not only helped, you know, show that I I could do this, it helped build my confidence and people responded positively to me, which was huge. It was a huge deal to get this kind of positive response. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And that just kind of led, because theater can be tough. (laughs) There's a lot of, you know, driving around and attending rehearsals. voiceover. it's like, I could do it in my pajamas. Yes. Yes. You don't have to worry about
0: how you look. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You brought up school and it's not a question I had prepped you for, but you said (laughs) that the educators at your school encouraged you to go into theater and, and, you know, fine arts, performing arts. Um,
3: did you go to a public school? No, I, I went to, well, I don't know what you would call that. I don't really want to name names. So no, I, no, it's fine. I started going, I started at a, uh, I guess you can call it a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Catholic school and I should point out that I was diagnosed with autism when I was like 13, like 12 or 13. So it was a very late, it was a, not as late as some, but a pretty mm-hmm. late diagnosis. And a lot of the teachers there who were, you know, not bad people, they were nice and stuff, they just didn't really know what to do with me. And they didn't have, like, you know, the the, the training, like the, the skill and stuff to work with somebody like me. And, uh, you know, to even the kids... The other kids didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with me, and that led to you know, of course, that led to some bullying and stuff. But we found a uh, a school. Uh, uh, it was a, a a private but more inclusive school that, uh, like I said, was more more inclusive, and they could uh, they they were more flexible in how they learned, and they were the ones who helped identify you know, my, my, uh, autism and mm-hmm. they kind of worked out, you know, we, we all kind of worked out the, the classes were smaller. So we were more flexible in how we learned and, uh, how we did, uh, projects, you know, we, how we did handle the curriculum. So that was, it was far less challenging and it made learning a lot more fun. Um, I think I, I was reminded that I did a, uh, a project where we did, uh, it was either black plague or polio or some kind of, we were learning about different, you know, illnesses. And, uh, I did the report writing a script for an episode of, uh, of, uh, of Star Trek where they come to earth in the past and they discover that people have polio and they try to, you know, cure it. So and, and I, I I performed the script in front of the in front of the class as my like, you know, as the final paper, I, I performed it, I did all the characters and stuff. So, uh, you know, little little fun things like that. Uh, that were beyond just sitting at a desk and, you know, looking at books and writing, which was tough for me writing handwriting is tough for me. And yeah, the, the teachers were very, you know, they were very engaging and they kind of helped me with my, you know, if I had anxiety or meltdowns or anything like that, they kind of helped gently navigate their, my way, uh, through it. They would gently kind of tell me, uh, Jonathan, that's, that's not okay. You know, try to find something else like, okay. And normally I, and, and usually I would, I would be accepting about that. I'm like, okay, you're right. You know, you're right. I, 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 I'm sorry, and stuff. They would usually like help me, help me through it. <clears throat> and because of that, I wasn't afraid to ask that, to come to them when I was feeling, when I was feeling certain feelings, when I was feeling frustrated or upset. You know, it was just something I could go to them and I could work, uh, work through it. And that that does that did lead to theater too, because. I was kind of left out because the, like I said, it was a small, small classes and the kids there were either really good at sports or really good at computers. And I was really good at neither of those things. So it was like, what, what am I going to do? And so they told me, they, 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 when, when the idea for my family was to do community theater, they, uh, they, they pushed that. They said, yeah, do it, Jonathan, do it, do it, do it. And so I, I did it. And there was, uh, it was youth theater, so the uh, schools got to go, and they actually brought my, uh, my my entire class and all the and everybody there was like, oh, this is who he is, this is who I am.
0: And and you were able to do that because it sounds like they they made a safe space for you.
3: Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they they helped me, uh realize you know it was it was for everybody the whole mm-hmm. point of the school was you know to uh, uh, a safe place to try and you know learn grow and not just academically socially as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah oh, is there something that you feel like people misunderstand about you
3: i think a lot of the times people underestimated uh, underestimate me maybe not so much now but i think maybe they still do i don't know like i said i've kind of uh stopped uh putting so much putting so much into what other people think about me like seeing seeming you know the whole thing of like you you spend your whole youth wanting to be cool and you realize that it's be cool it's it's cooler not to be cool not to try to be cool um (laughs) yeah but I think people still do underestimate me, and I think there's still like there's still that kind of uh, I think there's always gonna be a stigma uh, for people with challenging disabilities uh, because it's been ingrained in everywhere for so long, and it's getting better, but it's 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 just gonna take a lot of time. And I also feel like, you know, we're not getting kind of, it's not about recognition. It's about getting a chance. We're not getting a, as much kind of attention as, uh, as, as, uh, as we, we need. And we're also not getting kind of recognized for not what we, we're more recognized for what we can't do and what our challenges is than what we can do. And I, I think that's, that's kind of how I feel about, uh, of, uh, about it. Um, I think I would like that to start to, you know, I personally would like that to start to change being more about what we can do and what we can't, what we can't do and to give us a chance.
0: What about your dreams for your career? Um, I mean, it could be related to the podcast or not, but yeah, yeah.
3: you know, well, the podcast, I mean, what I love about the podcast is it gives me a chance to, uh, flex myself creatively. I have voiced on that podcast over 100 characters, different characters and continuing and, um, it's a great outlet. But it's also a great way for me to work with other people, and some of them who are who have different who are neurodiverse. And the message of the podcast overall is, you know, uh, being you know a message of of positivity, of positive role models, and that it's okay to be who you are and embrace your unique, what makes you unique, and uh, that we we will accept you. And that's kind of, I I want for me, I want there to be, you know, I want this to lead to more opportunity. I would love for it. It doesn't make, it makes enough money that we could, uh, pay like, you know, the writers and some of the, the, the guest stars and our engineer, of course (laughs) gets paid, (laughs) but I don't get paid for it yet. Um, and I would like, you know, hopefully one day I would like to, you know, I would like to to make it, you know, uh, financially viable, as would I think we all with these kind of things, and you know, and and it lead, and to lead to more opportunities. I'm actually a, a fan, a young fan, uh, invited me to come uh, next week, uh, uh, very soon, to come speak to her school. I'm gonna be speaking to like third and fourth graders and stuff, and you know, gonna talk about the podcast and maybe do some voiceover exercises and stuff like that. So leads to, you know, not just industry opportunities, but you know, positive role model, personal opportunities too.
0: That's, that's great. And best of luck to the, uh, podcast yourself and the staff and everything. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about, um, you know what you would like for educators to walk away from this conversation with?
3: Well, what do you think that I haven't already said? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think focusing on you know the positive outlets. If you're like, if you have somebody who is you know neurodivergent or what have you, or or, or thinks differently, you know. Uh, they're, they're, they remember they have, they could have a lot to offer and they just need a little bit more, you know, uh, uh different guidance. And I think for an educator, it kind of depends on the age, but don't be like with them, uh, like with my teachers, don't be afraid to like, let them know that you are there for them, that you are, you know, that you understand them that if they have, you know, if they, if they have any kind of problems, come come to you that they can come to you and w- you can work out uh what in, in a safe and in like in, in, a, in a, sa- a safe way for them what what can be done to offer them guidance and to know that you are there for them and that you uh, know that they can they know that you know that they uh they have a lot to offer not just uh you know what their challenges are
0: Stay tuned for the mystery question right after this break.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: What do you keep on your desk or workspace area that boosts your mood? So um, I'll go first if you want.
3: Yeah, I have to think and,
0: about it. it and uh, so there's a story behind this. So do you, do, you know who, do you
3: know what this is? Oh, I can't remember the name, but I've seen that before. So,
0: okay, so this is uh, Bucky the Beaver. So right. note for the audio, cause I have to describe this. This is a bobble head that I'm, I'm holding up. It's a, it's, a, I don't know about four or five inches tall. Um, and it is a beaver with a red cap and a red shirt. And it's got a Bucky, the beaver logo. And so Bucky's is a, um, I guess famous, um, like gas station chain in Texas. Mm, and that's right. Uh, I've and seen commercials. They have them, yeah, yeah, they have them in Georgia. They're huge. They're like, it's like walking into a Walmart Oops. Um, with, you know, Bucky being like the mascot. They have brisket. They have uh, beef jerky. They have like these candied nuts. They have popcorn. They have all, the, you know, all the regular snacks. They have tons of drinks and coffee. And um, it's just. It's huge, and there's tons of gas, you know, pumps or whatever. And we usually stop there on road trips. And so there's one in between Atlanta, where I live, and Mississippi, which is where our my brother in law lives. And so on the way back, um, we usually stop at Bucky's, you know, because it's mm-hmm. and I and I get these uh, I get these candied pecans. They're like I love pecans. They're delicious, and so. I, I'm always telling my kids, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to get my Bucky swag, you know, like wear it around. And, and they're like so embarrassed by me because they're like, oh, dad, Bucky's is like so like whatever. <laughs> like is so, so 1930s? Exactly. Exactly. So um, I think it was my, it was around my birthday and uh, I look out my front door and there was this like on my on the front, um, door, um, uh, the doorstop, the doormat is just sitting there. And I'm like, who, like, first of all, who knows that I like Bucky's? And like, where, like, we were here all night. Like, who put this here? You know, I started to get really freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, like, do I have a stalker? Is there, like, like what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> and then, and then I call my brother in law. I'm like, oh my gosh. He, uh, he just, they just moved from, uh, missis from Georgia to Mississippi and he was still coming back to like, take care of a few things. And so he must have dropped it off like as a birthday present, but didn't tell me, you know, like it was just a surprise. And so I called him up and I'm like, dude, you totally freaked me out leaving this Bucky's thing. I was like, I have no idea who this is from. <laughs> and so now I have. <laughs> my but that was a long story Jonathan I apologize no it's okay <laughs> so I have uh, I have uh, Bucky the beaver right here it always puts me in a good mood so
3: that's okay because I got nothing <laughs> I, I the, the beauty about voice acting is you don't work at a desk well do you have
0: any so I guess do you have do you collect anything do you have like a like any tchotchke type of
3: things or like a- you know I can say this uh, because we're doing it tonight. Um, I've been roped in to play by uh, 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 and 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 enjoy doing it, playing D anD D with a oh, uh, yeah. group of people. With a group of people, I don't have it with me because I'm not in my house. But um, you know, you use dice and stuff, right? To get you know, you have your computer and stuff to keep track of your character sheet and all that it's really fun to do but he used dice and for the first couple of games we played i'm rolling the dice and it's like oh it went off the table Hey, right, hang on it went, it went, off the, it went <laughs> on the table hold on it's like all right do this critical critical roll oh it went under the couch hang on and stuff so it's <laughs> it just went all over so one of the guys who's another podcaster and stuff i he's been a guest star in the episode and some of the episodes before he's one of our D and D guys. He sent me over unprompted sent me over a, uh, it's a, how do I describe it? It's like a dice. It's a, it's a kind of like a little bowl. It's like a dice. You roll the dice and it's square shaped and it kind of folds up a little bit. It's flat and you can roll the dice and the dice won't get all over the place. And the coolest thing about it is it's the map from of Middle Earth from The Lord oh. of the Rings. It's it's specifically the Hobbit, the map uh, from that they used in The Hobbit. It's specifically that map, and I was like, oh, and it's like leather. It's like brown leather and stuff. I'm like this is really cool. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. See, that boosts your mood right there. There you go. Just talking
0: about it. Yeah, Jonathan Cormer, thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. We appreciate your time.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
0: That chime means it's free time. And this week, I want to share with you a podcast, but not just any podcast. Fire Breathing Kittens is an actual play one-shot podcast that plays various tabletop role-playing games with a season-long plot. Because there's a beginning and an end to each week's story, you can start at any episode. Every week has a different combination of four people from the same rotating cast. Join fire-breathing kittens as they solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Now, these episodes clock in at around three hours, but they are highly entertaining, and if you love role-playing games, you are going to love this pod. Okay, That's it for this week. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how you can partner with MCIE on school transformation or professional learning opportunities, visit mcie.org. Love Think Inclusive? Here are a few ways to let us know. Rate us on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can donate to MCIE with a one-time or monthly donation so that we can keep making Think Inclusive and our newest podcast, Inclusion Stories. To donate, go to bit.ly mcie-donate or visit mcie.org. Think Inclusive is written, edited, designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Viegas. Original music by Miles Kredich. Additional music from Melody. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. Okay, so I'm going to pick a, a random mystery question. Have you and we'll both answer it. And so far, it's nothing inappropriate. It's more like you know, sometimes they're silly, sometimes they're thought provoking. So oh. we'll see. I hope we'll see it's how a it silly one. I hope so too. I don't want to get too serious, you All know. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is the question. Um, this is not a silly one. Should I repick? Let's repick. Okay. From MCIE.